0: I'm your host, Kaylee, and this is Rebel Wellness. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Kaylee, also known as Coach Kales. If you didn't know me already, I am a longtime fitness professional, wellness coach, and multi-certified nutritionist, and I'm based here out of the West Coast in the U.S., So if you are new here, I'd like to extend you a very warm welcome. You have just tuned in to one of my passion projects because it is so important to me to help demystify the health world for you and empower you with the tools necessary to walk through this world fiercely educated, to make the right choices amongst all the confusion. And it's really important for you to choose what you want, not what your mom wants, not what Brittany on TikTok told you, just you and your own brains. So for today's episode, I wanted to tackle a few myths in the world of nutrition. I plan on doing a multiple series of different myths in fitness and nutrition, not only because they're like the main most favorite topics of my career so far, but because legitimately when I polled you guys, my clients, my following on Instagram, etc., everybody really wanted to hear my takes on myths and not in that kind of way where people say like, Well, you guys have been asking, like legitimately, everybody has been suggesting and asking different things about myths. So this is a great platform to kind of spread my answers to kind of a wider audience. So as we kind of talk more about the nutrition route today, it's a really important thing to understand that there's always going to be this or that study funded by this or that company contradicting whatever... Is going on. This is something that I've kind of taken responsibility to dissect for myself and my clients. I've kind of taken both various studies that are not necessarily cherry-picked because that's the other thing. You get a lot of like nutrition gurus and people who are operating under the title of dietitian or nutritionist, etc. which here's a little clue. Anybody can do that and just kind of say their label and maybe not be right it's kind of scary. It's just like anybody can practice once they get their degree and they can just say whatever they want and say, well, I'm a dietitian, believe me, you know, and not to like throw shade at them. It's just, you have to understand that just because they have a certain title doesn't necessarily mean they know entirely all sides to the topic they're talking about. So that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying that people are Just kind of making stuff up. It's more just that it's important to know that not even the person who's educating you, even me, is always going to have a well rounded understanding of everything, especially with like modern science updates and things like that. So that's something that I personally am extremely passionate about. I'm a Virgo, it's my lifestyle. (laughs) I just really want to know and I don't want to spread. Any misinformation. And with that said, I always take it on myself whenever I say things to fact check it before I actually even say it on this podcast. And maybe in the future, some things I'm saying are no longer the science and I might have to change my viewpoint, but that's normal. I mean, that's humans. So just understanding that people who act like they know everything about a certain topic, I would kind of steer clear from them because that tends to mean that they are really rigid with their thinking and a little too dogmatic in a world that actually isn't very black and white. Now that I've kind of laid all of that out for you, I'll come kind of off my soapbox and let's dive right into the first, let's say two food myths together. They're kind of under the same kind of umbrella about macronutrients, which I'll explain in a moment, but I'm only going to focus on two of them because honestly, every single one of these macronutrients have been demonized by magazines CDC, like tons of different groups have kind of picked and chosen what they want to catastrophize almost, so I simply want to just explain it straightforward with the best science possible and field research, meaning what I've seen actually happen for myself, my clients. With that, I feel pretty confident about where I stand now and how I'm going to talk about these myths. It's important first to understand kind of what macronutrients are if you don't already. So I'm going to briefly kind of break them down for you. Macronutrients are the larger particles that make up every piece of food you eat. So with water aside, if you can digest it and use it for energy, it has macronutrients in it. It's your protein, it's your carbs, it's your fat. This is one of the first things that we talk about with my coaching is we try to help you understand like what makes up the food you're eating because it's important to know what each macronutrient does individually and how it makes up the food you eat and then picking the food you eat, how it's gonna correlate to your goals. So as far as protein goals, we consider this nutrient as a slow burning fuel. So this means that it's complicated for your body, more complex rather, for your body to digest. Therefore, it's slower burning in the gut but it's an essential nutrient because it provides amino acids for the rest of your body, for your muscle, etc. And most often than not, protein also has a lot of essential micronutrients that your body needs as well. For example, B12. The structure of protein is built upon various amino acids and peptides. That is all. If you want to build muscle or maintain muscle, you have to be consuming enough protein. It's the only nutrient that can support your body's muscle. I kind of separate protein from the other two macronutrients. Carbohydrates and fat are more of your fuel. So they're going to be a lot more quick energy or slow energy. First, carbohydrates, they are your quicker energy. And they're going to be your body's main source of energy right off the bat. Can you only ever use carbohydrates for energy? No. Is it the preferred energy that your body wants to utilize? Yes. And then your other more energy-focused macronutrient is going to be fats, natural fats. You can utilize other fats too, like processed or man-made fats. However, ideally, if we're speaking about true fats, it's naturally occurring fats. They have the most calories per gram. So protein and carbs are four calories per gram. And fats are nine calories per gram because they are the slowest to burn in your gut. But they are still predominantly an energy source. And they are necessary for micronutrients to get into your cells to be utilized properly by the body. That's why far too low fat intake can often cause disease. And we're actually kind of seeing a lot more science pointing towards this early onset dementia caused by this chronic low-fat dieting that a lot of females have followed and then they're now having brain degenerative diseases early on in their 40s and 50s because they have deprived their bodies for so long of a necessary nutrient so when people ask me like should i lower my fat should i lower my carbs Neither. You have to find the right balance. We'll talk more about that later. But basically, those are the three macronutrients that are really important to understand for breaking down these myths. Myth number one, protein makes you fat, or how I've commonly heard it, excess protein can still make you fat. Now that you know protein is simply a combination of amino acids and peptides, as far as our molecular structure goes, it simply cannot be stored as fat easily. And it's also not easy to make energy out of. We call it the building blocks of your muscle because when it is broken down in the body, those amino acids and peptides go towards all of the different tissues in your body to help repair them or build them bigger, which essentially is still repairing because essentially what you do when you weight lift is you're tearing your muscles apart and then your body goes into recovery mode, uses the nutrients you consume and builds it bigger. That's why if you are not consuming enough protein, your muscles are probably not getting bigger and that might be your issue. But it is also a more complex structure for your gut to break down. Therefore, it tends to keep people more satiated longer, which is why it is a really good strategy for those people who are looking to either get a body recomposition, lose fat, gain muscle, or just simply trying to lose fat. That's why protein is such a great nutrient to keep really high in your intake every day because it is really hard to turn into fat. You have to be almost in kind of a famine position and only eating protein and at that only lean protein because what typically is then being turned into fat is the fat that is bound with the protein. So think Chicken breast, really lean, almost no fat, versus chicken thighs, like 30% of chicken thighs is like chicken fat. So typically, it's actually not the protein content that is causing somebody to deposit fat, it's the fat on the protein. Does that make sense? So, again, your two macronutrients that tend to get stored for energy are either excess of carbohydrates or excess of fats. But That brings us into the next myth. Carbs make you fat. Carbohydrates, like mentioned before, are your quick energy system. It's the fastest way for your body to access energy from food you consume. So this is why when people pass out from low blood sugar, they are given something like dextrose, which is a quick absorbing sugar. Anything with Ose at the end is essentially sugar if you're reading labels and you're learning And it immediately gets into the system so that your cells can generate energy again and bring your blood sugar up. However, when we've experienced a surplus of carbs or removing carbs and seeing our weight change, sometimes dramatically, think keto diet, the first 10 pounds that everybody loses in the first week is literally body water. I'll get into that in a moment, but it's because one gram of carbohydrate binds with two grams of water. So that kind of fluffiness you feel after a big carby meal or the weight you suddenly lose immediately after starting to reduce your carb intakes is actually not fat that you're losing. It's just water retention and water retention does not equal fat. This is a really common thing that I have to coach a lot of, especially my female clients out of the mindset of is believing that just because their body is holding to water, that they're fatter. Water is essential. Your organs need it. Your energy systems need it. Typically, people who are not fully hydrated have a lot more health issues in the long run, especially than those who just consume the proper amount of carbohydrates for their body and drink enough water. So, to better understand why in keto people seem to lose weight so quickly in the beginning, like I was saying, they are dropping all the water, not just because they're no longer consuming carbs, that's a huge part of it, but because their body is also searching every single gram of water in their body to find another carb because it's like we said in the beginning the first energy system the body wants to use so in that first week where everybody basically the keto flu is dehydration because you're losing so much water you can avoid the keto flu by being properly hydrated with electrolytes and a significant amount of electrolytes so not just like one Gatorade or something like that. And I also don't like Gatorade, but that's another soapbox. (laughs) Um, So when somebody does keto, the reason they're dropping water is exactly what we're talking about here. Carbohydrates bind with water in your body. However, if you are a person who is active or their total daily energy expenditure is more than the calories they're consuming, including the amount of grams of carbs they're eating every day, They most likely will not experience water weight retention, the same as somebody who overconsumes for their energy expenditure every day. So naturally, it'll be easy for somebody who starts to reduce their calories, including their carbs. So they might say, okay, I'm trying to lose weight. Maybe they're a desk job person and they're not moving very much. Maybe they only walk 3,000 steps a day. That's kind of an average for a lot of my desk job clients then they start to cut carbs because they heard carbs make me fat. No, carbs are an energy nutrient and if you are not expending what you are consuming, it's going to either add water weight naturally initially or become body fat because you're not utilizing that energy. So this person cuts carbs, sees their weight start to go down, they believe it must be the carbs. More often than not, it's usually water retention loss at first and then the fact that they're just reducing their overall calorie intake. That's almost always what is the situation. However, where this can be helpful is if the choices of carbs you are consuming is adjusted. So if you are consuming a lot of processed carb products, and then you remove them, and you just switch to, let's say, vegetables, fruits, sweet potatoes, rice, etc., and you see an adjusting situation on the scale it may not actually just be the carbs it could be the source of carbs because sometimes the source of carbs especially for example gluten causes a lot of inflammatory response in your gut and so your body is also going to hold on to more water when it's inflamed same goes for too much sodium intake that also will cause a lot more water retention so it's almost always pointed at carbs for the reason that fat is gained or lost but there's a lot of different things that go into it. So I've seen a lot of clients clean up the carb sources they consume, like removing the Oreos, removing the bread, you know, things like that, replacing with other carbs. So the total grams of carbs every day is not changing. It's just the sources are changing and they're starting to lose body fat naturally because their gut is happier. Their body is happier. So sometimes you have to look into that, but again, It's not the carbs, it's just the fact of the source of the carbs and or how your body is reacting to that. The best way to manage, if you are somebody in that category, would be trying to put 30 to 60 minutes total of daily walking into your routine as best as you can. Maybe that's 30 minutes in the afternoon, 30 minutes in the evening. Something like that is a really good way to encourage circulation of your body and utilizing those carb nutrients you consumed for that day. And it also can encourage debloating in your gut because it encourages gut motility of your intestines and everything and your bowels, which is really important. If you're not using the restroom one to two times a day, at least there's something kind of slowed down in your digestion and detox pathways that should be addressed because that can also cause a lot of weight retention, weight gain, etc. Along with that, if you are a female listening to this, you should also know that if you are naturally cycling, you are always going to get water retention around that luteal phase of your cycle, and some women definitely get it in that bleed part, the menses of your cycle. So you are going to want to adjust your mindset about where your weight is going because it's almost always going to go up a bit during your luteal phase while your body's preparing to shed your uterine lining. This is Expensive on the body, meaning it's going to utilize energy. So your body actually has cues built in place during this part of your cycle to make you rave carbs more because it knows it's going to be utilizing more energy while it's doing this system. Therefore, it wants you to consume more carbs. And this is actually a good time to what they call carb cycle. So if you are on top of it with your diet, the first two to three weeks of your cycle, give yourself some wiggle room during that week four to consume more carbs than usual. And I like to say, usually for my clients, inverse your carbs and fats. So if you increase your fats and you're a little bit lower in your carbs during those first three weeks of your nutrition for your cycle, that fourth week, inverse them, increase your carbs and lower your fats. And this is a good way to stay The same calories you need to stay in your deficit or whatever, but your body's going to be a little happier having more carbohydrates as it's a quicker energy source, like we've been talking about. And you will not gain fat, it's almost always going to be water as long as you're staying in that caloric energy balance to consume carbohydrates as well. Because if you are a strength training person in general, weightlifting, etc., you are an athlete, like if you have different activities you enjoy doing that require endurance energy or explosive energy, carbs are necessary for performance. You will not be able to perform at your best doing keto or low carb paleo or something like that. If you are somebody who has experienced that lack of energy while trying to do that nutrition eating style, you know exactly what I mean. Another important thing to note is that if you are somebody who is active, you resistance train, aka you weightlift, you rock climb, you do anything that requires endurance or explosive energy for a prolonged period or at least a short amount of period, you will feel the effects of not having enough glycogen in your body. Carbs make glycogen, and therefore your performance is going to lack significantly in those areas. Your muscles recover with glycogen and protein because it's energy. If you've ever noticed that uh, marathon runners historically, they carb load the night before the race, it's because they're putting carbs into their muscles to be utilized during that race for energy. Same concept. If you reduce your carbs too much, thinking that it's what's making you fat or what's going to help you lose fat, but you continue weightlifting, you're going to hit a wall. For example, I did keto because as a lot of My clients, if they're listening, know I always try some of the hot button diets before I develop opinions or even coach people through them. And I tried keto for about three months or so. And one of the main things that suffered immediately, and that does suffer for all of my clients who end up doing keto, what ended up happening is I was bouldering because I really enjoy rock climbing. And As I was climbing up the wall, I couldn't climb anymore. I literally ran out of energy. I stopped. I was stuck on the wall. Fortunately, with bouldering like halfway up the wall, you can still jump off the wall. But I had never felt something so weird like that. Like I literally couldn't access energy. Even if my mental like tenacity was there, my body was not going to move. My muscles were like, yeah, no. (laughs) So that was one of the main times that I can recall being like, oh, Okay, so being an athlete and being keto doesn't usually mix, especially for females, because of how our bodies utilize energy differently. And we protect being ready to have a baby like nobody's business. That's why sometimes it takes women like 10 to 15 weeks to actually get assimilated into true ketosis because their body is just looking for any carb to turn into making it still the primary energy system. Hopefully that makes sense. But with that said, it's just important to know from like that example that you cannot also have really good performance with your weightlifting and or sports or orange theory, whatever you're doing, and be extremely low carb. It's going to burn you out. It's going to be not so good for your body long term. And it just simply doesn't work because it's an energy system. You don't just get a cut out entire nutrient group and not face the consequences of it. So with all that said, carbohydrates are just another macronutrient that your body actually prefers over any of the other nutrients for energy. Doesn't necessarily mean it's the healthiest to eat on its own, but it cannot simply be the only reason that you are gaining fat. Most often than not, it's because most people are consuming palatable foods, which means there's gonna be a component of fat, component of carb, and a component of salt or sugar. Sweet which is also a carb, but usually they utilize that combination to kind of make something really what they call palatable tastes really nice on your palate. And people overconsume these foods. And they think that because they're eating, let's say a ton of muffins, it's the carb muffins are carbs, right? Muffins also have like 30 or 40% fat content. If you've ever made muffins before, you know that you add a ton of butter or a ton of canola oil usually to the mix. Same thing with brownies. They're not a carb source. They're a carb and fat source. So that's why it's really important to understand the macronutrient breakdown of your foods because it helps you better understand, is it actually that item that is causing me to gain fat? Is it just the fact that I'm over-consuming these items? Because you can always consume those things in the proper proportions for your daily calorie intake. Last thing I'll add is that two things that can influence the way your body manages the nutrients you consume, the macronutrients, is your gut health because they have found now that there are different types of bacteria that process carbohydrates, process your fats, process your proteins, and if they're imbalanced, they actually can influence how well or how not well you absorb and break down assimilate, so to speak, those nutrients and then that can cause are you actually getting As many calories of the carbs you consume, are you getting less? And your hormones can also play a big factor into your metabolic activity. So before you freak out and go like, oh my God, you're one of those, it's just my hormones type of people. Let me explain. There's a team calories in calories out, which if you listen to this entire podcast, you heard me talk about that energy equation often because it is still the king equation What is different now that a lot of people need to open their minds to and get less rigid about the calories in, calories out, is that we are seeing metabolic disorders on especially females that we've never seen before in the history because we have so many different factors going on, including xenoestrogens or other endocrine system disruptors, which your endocrine system is your hormone system. And so you're disrupting your hormones through different things like fragrances, plastics, etc. And then on top of that, you're consuming a lot of these different manufactured foods. And you're also having really high stress, more prolonged than any other time in history because a lot more females are raising children and holding down one, two, or three full-time jobs. And not in a way to have any sort of social stance on this concept. It's just a blatant truth that we have to look at and understand that we're going to see things that have never happened before to the human body because we're exposing it to a lot of stuff that really, even though it's passed by the FDA or whatever, is not fully understood. We're still seeing stuff that they're like, ooh, we shouldn't have done that. So now you can't do that anymore. Like Women should not be taking Lunesta they finally decided that, oops, we should probably not give women Lunesta because it's altering their brains in a negative way. <laughs> so, things like that can happen all the time. They are happening all the time. And we have to understand that we don't fully understand, like, obesity and how the metabolic disorder is actually developing and manifesting, and what does it mean for your gut bacteria, and then how does that change in your gut? Also change how you absorb and utilize food. So these are all questions that are getting a lot more answers nowadays, but we're also just in those early stages to really get enough studies going. And if you don't know already, it takes two to five years for a actual scientific study to go through the full process to get published. So you're not going to see this on PubMed for a while because it's currently being studied. So when a lot of people have all this like, oh, well, I've never seen studies on this before. Well, yeah, because we're literally working on it right now because we finally have the technology and understanding to finally look into this stuff. So with all of that said, I just wanted to bring it a little bit of light because we do need to understand that we don't fully understand everything to do, especially with the female body and how our body adapts with different hormone imbalances and things like that because I have legitimately seen people doing all the right things, logging all the food, eating it. I've seen them doing it and their stress is literally forcing their hormones into a position where cortisol and estrogen are the besties that deposit fat. And even though they're in a caloric deficit, technically their body doesn't perceive it that way. And metabolically they're gaining fat rapidly. So a lot of people might argue this concept, but it's still something that we're learning, still something that I'm learning, but I have seen it in my personal field research, so to speak. And so I know how much we don't understand about our gut and how that translates and transfers into our body. So if you are somebody who also is kind of like, oh, you know what? I feel like that kind of resonates with me. I don't know where my hormones are at. I'm going to share with you an awesome offer with the awesome women who run your hormone balance.com and use code rebel wellness 15 for 15% off a full kit of hormone testing. So the awesome thing about this, I actually used them before I even became affiliated. Now um, it's because I liked that the whole process so much that I was like, Hey, I would love to offer this to my clients and my listeners. And they're like, yeah, right on. Sure. So It's the easiest way to get your hormones tested from literally your house. You order it from them with the discount Rebel Wellness 15. It's a really easy, accessible fee. And you can also split it up into payments if you need to. And they send you the package. It's got all the information. It's a spit test. So all you do is spit on a certain day of your cycle, day 21 or around there. And then you're going to send it back and they send you your results and you can get a lot of insight on where these master hormones are kind of standing for you, so to speak. It validated my thought that I had some form of adrenal fatigue and yes, I totally did. My cortisol drops really early in the day. So I've just been able to take the actions to move forward with actually knowing where my hormones are at instead of guessing. Too many times we kind of avoid this like $200 or $300 expense or something like that. And we're just kind of taking shots in the dark, but then you're spending all this money on all these supplements you're taking, and you don't even know if that's actually what's wrong. So the moral of today is no, protein and carbs do not make you fat. And if you consume them wisely and in that kind of 70, 30% or 90, 10% way every week to week, you should be able to maintain the level of health and physique that you are looking for. And as always, if you want more custom guidance and you want some coaching, feel free to visit coachbykayles.com, shoot me a little inquiry on the contact page, and we can chat more about nutrition coaching, or I can guide you to somebody who I think might help you in your situation. So I'm gonna close out today's myth-busting chat with a reminder to stand in your power, identify your strength, and I sincerely hope that something today kind of cleared up some confusion for you. I will see you next Sunday on another episode of Rebel Wellness. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of Rebel Wellness. If you loved what you heard and you are ready to take your wellness journey to the next level, follow me on Instagram at coachbykales for daily nuggets of health and fitness wisdom. We release new episodes weekly on Sundays, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you never miss an update. As always, lean into your strength, walk with confidence, and celebrate your nourishment. We'll catch you next Sunday on Rebel Wellness.